It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. And here we go. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast on this Monday morning. Hope the weekend treated you well, and hope this Monday goes quickly for you. Thanks so much for downloading and listening to the podcast. On today's podcast, I'm going to quickly recap the weekend that was for the Cincinnati Reds, and then we've got James Rapine in to talk about the Indian series coming on Tuesday. Before we get to that, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and the Himalaya podcasting app. If you haven't checked out Himalaya, that is a great podcast. A great app to have on your phone for all of you podcast lovers. It is something that you can plug in your favorite podcasts and listen to them, and they will build playlists based on your listening tastes. That way, you can discover even more great podcasts like all of the Locked On podcasts, but especially this one in particular. Also, check us out on social media at Locked On Reds and at Jeff Carr with three F's. And then head on over to LockedOnReds.com. And lest I forget, the Locked On Reds line at 513-549-0159. We've had a bunch of calls over the weekend, and I will have a calls episode. And I'm still working on a better name than that. Tomorrow, we're going to be answering a lot of the voicemails that have come in. Definitely get your voicemails in still. Two questions to answer. The one Reds player that you don't want them to trade this year within the realm of possibility, like we're not going to see Joey Votto trade or we're not most likely not going to see Nixon Zell or Luis Castillo traded, but who's the least, the, the player you don't want to see trade? And then the other question I have for you to answer on the Lockdown Reds line, who do you hate more, the Pirates or the Cardinals? Give us a call. Let us know. I want to hear from you and I'll be playing a lot of those calls on tomorrow's episode. Let's jump into today's episode, though. Over the weekend, Reds fans were kind of sobered a little bit. It wasn't a good weekend. It was a frustrating one. As I had mentioned on Twitter, the Reds jumped out ahead in each game. They scored first in every game in Philadelphia, and they lost two of the three. It was not a great series for the offense. The lineup went back to where they were in April when it seemed like a two-run deficit was insurmountable. Now, I know they overcame that on Sunday, which props to them. They avoided the sweep, were able to win 4-3, to but it was just a weekend of frustration. And there was a couple of takeaways that I had from it, and the number one thing was off of Sunday's game is that Sonny Gray is the tough luck ace of the Reds. Now, his his surface numbers that you're going to look at, his win-loss record that a lot of people still like to look at, and his ERA aren't going to point to him being an ace. But 
His ratio of strikeouts per nine innings is the best of his career, currently setting at just over nine and a half strikeouts per nine. And his fielding independent pitching, his FIP, is setting at 301. So he's getting unlucky in his actual season ERA. And his, his expected fielding independent pitching is a little bit above that, but still lower than his ERA. It's something that I believe he is going to be, it's almost like Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray are 1A, 1B. And that is awesome for the Reds. I'm very happy to see that. And then also we've seen some coming around for Joey Votto. I think he is starting to realize his role. He is starting to understand that for the rest of his career, he's going to be more of a singles guy. He's going to be able to completely focus on being that on-base machine that he has always been. And I think that that is a good thing. He's not trying to kill the ball. He's not trying to hit 30 homers in one game or anything like that to silence the haters. And I know there's still people that are trying to evaluate him on how many runs batted in he has, which is just silly. He is this team's number two hitter moving forward. He's basically their second leadoff guy. So he's not going to be an RBI machine. He's just not. They need to stop evaluating him based on ribeye stakes. It's not a prudent way to talk about Joey Votto anymore. But overall, and the big picture that I got from this weekend, from the struggles in Philadelphia and then the series finale in St. Louis, was this. We have to understand as fans that the Reds need to start turning their focus from will they make a playoff run this year to how will they position themselves for a playoff run next year. Now, I know you hate that idea. You hate uh, next year. You hate talking about wait till next year. You've been waiting till next year for the last handful of years, and it's getting really old. But I'm telling you this. Last season, if you listen to this podcast, James Rapine was the host. He had this big theme that 2018 was a set-the-table kind of year. Well, guess what? They didn't set the table. The kids forgot to put the plates out. I don't know. There There weren't enough forks for everybody, something. It just didn't work. This year, they've got all the utensils out. The table's ready. Next year, the turkey's coming out. And they've got to be ready for that. They've got to understand that they put the best team on the field. If that means they've got to trade some of these guys like Puig and Dietrich and and guys that you don't want to hear are in the transactions column the next day, if they can get viable players, viable assets for those guys, they got to take that chance. They can't be hanging on to them too long. This isn't 2015 anymore where they wait too long. And it's funny because that comes up in my conversation with James Rapine in just a few minutes, but you'll hear that. This is a very important thing the Reds need to understand. If they can make the team better through trading some of these guys that we all may deem as quote-unquote fan favorites right now, they got to do it. They can't get complacent and think just because there's some fans that really like so-and-so, we can't get rid of them. That, that can't be in their moniker the rest of this way you know up until the trade deadline and then lastly just a fun thing right before we go into the break I don't know if you caught the post-game interviews that were on Fox Sports Ohio but they talked with Eugenio Suarez in the locker room 
and he was wearing Yasiel Puig's hat. If you haven't seen the picture, I've got a I've got the picture tweeted on my profile at Jeff Carr with three F's. It's like one of those Panama hats and it's got a feather in it and everything. It looks really cool. He looks like a swaggy kind of dude. You got to go check that out. It was hilarious. And he did the whole interview and Puig was behind him making faces and, you know, trying to get him to laugh. And Suarez kept a straight face all the way through. He's a pro's pro. Anyway, we're going to jump into the break real quick. And then after that, talking to James Rapine about the Indian series. Want to take a quick moment to thank the sponsor of today's podcast, Hotels.com. Stop hate liking your friend's vacation and go book one of your own. Head to Hotels.com where they've got great rates and a reward system for traveling. That's right. You want to get rewarded for going to the beach? Go to Hotels.com. Alrighty, for our next segment today, I've got James Rapine, the Indians beat reporter and former host of this podcast, in to talk the Reds Indians series. James, how are you doing up there? Ah, Jeff, I'm good, man. How are you? I am doing pretty well myself. You know, it's nice to see that our good old Red Legs got off of that losing streak there and were able to avoid the sweep today, but it's just, it's starting to feel like this team might not be just as good as we were hoping here in the preseason. Yeah, and honestly, I and I'm not trying to bash the Reds and Reds fans, especially, are going to hear this and be like, "Oh, of course, Cleveland guy says this," but it's it's really hard to turn things around in one off season, you know. Mm-hmm. And it felt like the Reds, Dick Williams, that they, they were given the all right, go get talent, <laughs> go get talent, go make this a winning team. And especially in that division, it's much easier said than done uh, to do that and, and turn things around in one off season. Uh, outside of the Minnesota Twins, not many teams in, in baseball have done that. But uh, the Reds obviously more competitive. But um, yeah, I'm not sure if. And again, in that division, and I know things are tight, but that division is just extremely tough. Maybe the best in baseball. So it's it's tough to ask. But it was good to see them get that win on Sunday. Right, and that's the one thing, and something that you had said last year on the podcast and you know just to prove that i did listen last year but um (laughs) you you had mentioned that there's a range of wins that a team can reasonably expect to improve on year to year and to expect them to get up to where mo was saying around 87 wins which is what every second wildcard team has had since they instituted the second wildcard spot that's just almost almost impossible like you don't want to say it's never going to happen but like you're saying with the twins but when you look at the reds it's like this was the year since last year wasn't the table setting year we hoped that'd be this was the year that they set Mm -hmm. the table and then next year's the year they bring out the turkey yeah and that's what you hope uh unfortunately or fortunately however you want to look at it you go in with with some of these guys and Derek dietrich as awesome as he's been a minor league deal you know he's going to want more money Yasiel Puig I know he's had his struggles do you want to keep him around I know Cincinnati truly loves him maybe not uh his batting average at the moment but they they love the star that he brings and his personality um they're gonna have some decisions to make obviously Scooter Jeanette as well so it'll be interesting to see what happens but that's that's where I'm at is this is a and that's a good way to put it a set the table type year it doesn't mean that they can't make a run it doesn't mean that they aren't going to make the playoffs but my expectations for this Reds team, even with all the moves, and they had a really exciting offseason, wasn't playoffs because I, I thought that was too too high of a bar, too high of expectations to give them 
And so far we're seeing why, because they've been inconsistent. Even though they show flashes of being a really good baseball team, there's just a lot of obstacles in their way, including just building that culture. First-year manager, I've heard grapes about him. You know, you, you hear grapes about, uh, you know, just uh, different guys on the roster. Joey Votto's taking his fair share of criticism. So it's it's just one of those things where I think it might take a this season to round out and to form a good off season to really set things up for next year. Yeah, and I, I could spend a couple of different episodes talking about why I, I hate the takes that are out there on David Bell right now, but we won't get into all that. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about this, this series that's coming up. The Indians had figured to be at the top of the division, and I don't know, I mean, maybe there were some that saw this, but what has the Indians fans' reaction been to not only how the Indians have played, but how the Twins have played too? Indians fans are pissed off to be quite honest with you. And it's a, a read that I didn't get in Cincinnati because I think when you're in Cincinnati, you just look up at, at Cleveland over the past couple of years. And I know I did this and I was just like, Oh, well-run ball club. You know, they, they have a couple stars up there, really good pitching staff. They're well-run fans got to be happy. You know, the Browns have been awful for years and years, but you know, the Indians are going to be in the hunt year after year. Obviously we went to game seven of the world series back in 2016, right. but that isn't it. It's a very interesting relationship that they have with fans. Uh, the first thing that, that rubs fans the wrong way is spending and ownership. Uh, it reminds me a lot of the, the relationship that Bengals fans have with Mike Brown. And they, they question whether or not it's a business for the owner and, and wanting to make money versus actually wanting to win and going all in to win. So I think fans right now, given the, the offseason moves and the Indians were very upfront about wanting and needing to cut salary to get where they were comfortable uh, from a salary standpoint. They cut about $20 million off the books for this year. Fans went into the season upset and bothered. Um, and it's, it's translated, and they, they've been right. I mean, the Indians have had their fair share of injuries, and that's part of the reason why they're 33 and 32 right now, which isn't bad, but certainly is, isn't good when you're double-digit games out of first place in a division. You've won three straight years. So I think fans are about as down on this team as uh, as they've been since, well, since 2016, or 2015, rather, because 2016 was a magical year. So it's a, it's a tough spot right now, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. They, they've kept their head above water despite the injuries, and we can talk about those. But, uh, yeah, it's a, an interest, interesting time now for Indians baseball here in Cleveland. It's funny, and we'll jump into the matchups here in just a second, but I just thought of this too. You, you've gotten both sides, well, not both sides, but you've gotten this now your second year having covered the Reds' um, All-Star game in 2015. Is there that same feeling amongst Indians fans of like, why didn't we go for it this year since we've got the All-Star game? Yeah, absolutely. And the, the Reds, and that would be an example where I would push back. Because what did the Reds do? They held on to their right. stars. And I think that while this could be a painful process right now for the Indians and obviously their fans, they're trying to avoid what the Reds did, which is trade too late, trade your pieces to, and you could argue maybe with Corey Kluber, who knows what ends he ends up being, but maybe they did trade him too late, even though he dealt with just a, a fluke injury, assuming they, they keep him, or who knows, maybe they held on to him too long. But the Reds held on too long to a lot of guys back, you know, during that all-star season. And, uh, and they probably should have went into rebuild or retool mode. And instead they didn't. And they got pennies on the dollar for some of those guys. So it, it really set them back rebuild wise. And I, I think 
this Indians team in this front office, they're trying to avoid that, and they know that they couldn't keep that payroll and their guys were getting older, so they move on from an Edwin Encarnacion. They move on from some of those guys. They were interested in trading a Trevor Bauer, potentially, trading Corey Kluber, potentially. They end up hanging on to those guys. So they're trying to avoid the complete rebuild because they know how hard it is while also trying to win at the same time. And it's just it's a really tough, tough thing to accomplish. And that's why we're seeing the mixed results and kind of a roller coaster of a season for the trap. Well, I know we've got a marquee pitching matchup in the first game, at least from the outside (laughs) perspective on one Trevor Bauer. But how does it look from the day to day? What do you expect from this first game? Yeah, it's it'll be an interesting matchup. I mean, on paper, it's a great matchup. It's just right now Trevor Bauer isn't pitching like Trevor Bauer can, and he's had his struggles and his frustration has reached. I don't know if it's reached an all-time high, but it's close. I, I, I'll tell you that. It is certainly close, and it's it's going to be interesting to see if he can snap out of it against the Reds. He hasn't won a game since April 30th. He was 4-1. and one. They beat the Marlins. His ERA was 2.45. It's risen to almost four since. Ooh. Hasn't won another game. He's four and six on the year. And I know wins and losses are what they are. But uh, it's it's been tough right now for Trevor Bauer. He certainly looks human. And then on the other side, Luis Castillo. I, I, I remember we talked in the preseason or during spring training, and you asked me who I thought the Reds opening day starter should be. And I said, Castillo, I think he's their yeah. ace. Every once in a while, a, 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 a blind squirrel finds a nut, and that one I was right on, man, because Luis <laughs> Castillo, and I knew you agreed, he, uh, he's he been great this year. Um, I have a few friends up here that play fantasy baseball, and they have Castillo, and they love that they have him on their team, too. So it is uh, it is good to see him kind of come into his own. So it, it is going to be a great matchup at Progressive Field on Tuesday. Um, but who knows? You know, I, I mean, Trevor Bauer, if he's ever going to rise to the occasion, snap out of it, the Indians need him to this week and, and try to get on a roll. So Castillo Bauer, it's about as good of a matchup as you could ask for. And moving to the second game as well with the pitching matchup, it's different because he's not an established guy, but so far, Zach uh, Plesak, which I think I'm saying that right. I, yeah. It's are. just like Dan Plesak, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's looked really good really early. Is that something that's looking to continue or are, is everyone waiting for the other shoe to fall with this guy? No, I think he's – and, yeah, I mean, there's going to be times where it's ugly. You know, he's 24 years old. It's, yeah, And I wrote about him late last week because his story – I mean, it's it's kind of insane. I mean, a month ago, he was in double-A. Nice. <laughs> and, and he gets promoted to triple-A. He makes a couple of starts in triple-A. And they promote him to the big leagues. And suddenly he's pitching at Fenway Park. And he pitches an inning, a good inning. And then it goes to a rain delay. <laughs> and then he comes back after the rain delay and pitches four and a third and, and just really was calm, cool, composed, and, and kept the Indians in the game against the Boston Red Sox at Fenway and had to deal with a rain delay as well. And uh, I've talked to him a couple times. And he's unflappable. I mean, he's a kid who it's just it, it's kind of it, it's crazy to think that he was in double A a month ago. And now he's on the Indians and it doesn't look like he's getting sent down anytime soon. Because you never know what, what's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, he won his first game the other night, pitched really well, and is just a uh, a kid who's going to put in the time, work his tail off. And, you know, he might give up eight runs to the Reds. You know, who knows what happens. He might crumble uh, against the Reds. Uh, but he, it's not going to phase him. He's got that type of mentality. And, and I think it's been big, and we've seen that in the, the pressure situations. 
he's been able to get out of jams. It's only three starts, small sample size. Now teams are going to have film on him and be able to study him, et cetera. But uh, it's been about as good of a start to his big league career, especially considering the circumstances that anyone could have expected for Plesak. That was one of the things that Bronson told me whenever I got to talk to him a few weeks back is that probably the biggest asset that a pitcher can have is his mind. And the fact that he's got a very calm mind, that'll be interesting to watch on display there uh, during Wednesday's game. Yeah, and, it will. No doubt about it. And from, at least from our bias perspective, we're hoping that Castillo shuts him down. But when it comes to Di Scalfani on Wednesday, what what will we look out of, or what will we see from the Indians lineup? I know they've got their version of Joey Votto with Jose Ramirez batting in the low 200s. Yeah. Heck. It's killing my fantasy I'm much, team, man. I, I'm killing. much more worried about Jose Ramirez than I am Joey Votto. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Uh, Jose Ramirez looks like, and, and I'm going to write about him tonight. I mean, it's just, it's been a struggle. I mean, he does not look like a good, ba- like, and I'm not trying to be insulting, but he does not look like a good baseball player. Mm-hmm. And, and it's insane to think that he was third in the American League MVP voting back-to-back years, a two-time All-Star guy who had 38 home runs last year. Like in my off-season predictions, I said that he was going to be the guy that won the home run derby at Progressive Field at the All-Star game. He's got four home runs, which is insane, you know? So he's been as big of a letdown, I think, as anyone. Uh, And it's crazy that he's performed the way he has, and the Indians are still above 500. So, yeah, he – I wouldn't be – honestly, and and I'm I'm saying this, and I'll end up having six home runs against the Reds in two games, but – I wouldn't be that worried about him. He, he hasn't really, he's had some stretches where it looks like he's breaking out of it. And then he doesn't and he falls on his face. And, and he did that against Minnesota and the Yankees. He had a couple hits today uh, on Sunday against New York. But other than that, he's been, uh, he's been pretty quiet and it's, uh, it's certainly hurt the Indians offense. They were going in relying on Lindor and Ramirez to carry the offense. Lindor's done his part since he returned from injury. Ramirez hasn't done his part. Looking at who, at least watching the game, whenever he comes up, what's the one guy that the Reds fans are really, we're all going to be kind of cringing whenever he steps on. Is it Lindor or is it somebody else? Oh, it's definitely Lindor. I mean, Francisco Lindor is, uh, I mean, not only is he the best baseball player in Ohio, I'm going to get crushed for that, but it's true. He might be the best shortstop in the game. He might be a top two or three baseball player on the planet. He's so good at everything. He's he's such a great team guy. He hasn't gotten frustrated during this whole process. And if I'm Lindor, who's got two years after this year left on his deal uh, of arbitration years, uh, or three, excuse me, three years left, and he's making $10 million when he could easily be making 30 right? And he knows he's probably not going to sign an extension here long term. And ownership cuts payroll. And we're having all these struggles. And I'm playing on an ankle, and I'm coming back on an ankle that's less than 100% to try to help the team. At some point, I would get frustrated. He hasn't shown one sign of frustration while also hitting home runs and hitting 300, stealing bases, making crazy plays at shortstop. He's, he's amazing. So I, I, who knows, maybe he'll lose his mind and get frustrated, and, and this will be a moot point a week from now. But uh, he's been uh, such a leader for that team by not getting – down despite all of the outside noise despite all of the injuries and and he's led by example as well um and it's i I think it's been huge 
for a team whose confidence has been up and down this year uh, is for him to be that stabilizing presence. So I can't say enough about Frankie and just how good uh, of a baseball player he is, but how great of a teammate he is as well. And I think that's the part that really goes unnoticed that people don't see. Now, you know the Kyle Schwarber is from Middleton. No, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, people are going to crush me. I, I don't know oh. who, who, who they're going to say, but I think Lindor, yeah, best in Ohio for sure. I, I really, I mean, that that is a hard argument to face because he is such a good player. And honestly, I love watching him. Like, he's one of my guys that I look at who's not a Reds player that I just enjoy watching. And obviously he was on display in the All-Star game last year and – yeah, I'm with you. When you look at a guy like that who's, for lack of a better term, stuck, you just kind of feel for him because he has no say over what he's doing right now. He's just going to have to keep trudging away, and it's good to see that that hasn't gotten him down yet. Yeah, and and, and here's the other thing is I do think, and Joey Votto is a good example of this, the Indians, despite what ownership potentially says or what the rumors are, they can sign him and keep him here. It's not like they, they don't have the money for it. I saw it with Joey Votto in Cincinnati. Remember back in 2010, 2011, you know, before that deal was signed, it was, oh, man, well, Joey's going to leave. He's going to sign this deal and this. And and I know it hasn't worked out, but I think that hasn't worked out because the Reds really struggled to, to put players around him, and they signed a Brandon Phillips deal, and they do things like that. But I think medium markets, and, and we always say small markets, but let's say small markets, fine, Cincinnati and Cleveland, I think they can spend money on a high-end star player like Vado, like Lindor, who just bring it every day, play through injuries. They're good teammates. They do everything they can to be great. I think it's worth retaining those guys, even if you're a small market team. And I know people have different opinions on that, but I think it's a, a no-brainer uh, to do that and keep those kind of talents around the clubhouse when you can. We could probably do an entire episode this offseason talking about how baseball teams have the money to pretty much do whatever they want, but we'll save that for uh, a future episode. To wrap it up, what are we going to be talking about on Thursday when we look back at this series? Oh, a little prediction. Um, yeah, it's it's tough. Look, here's what I'll say. I mean, when you got Luis Castillo on the mound going up against this Indians lineup, uh, as of now and the way, with the way Trevor Bauer is pitching, if I was a betting man, and I'm certainly not going to be, but if I was, I would say the Reds would get that game. And then the second game, with the way Zach Plesak's pitching, um, with the way this Indians lineup has responded, uh, and they have, they've responded, they've won four of their last six, they beat the Twins, took two of three from the Twins, two of three from the Yankees. I don't see them, see them getting swept, even though it's a two-game series, so say what you want about being swept, but I don't see that happening either. So I'm going to go in the middle here. I think they split. Um, and I think the Battle of Ohio continues tied 1-1, and uh, hopefully Reds fans don't crush me too much when I'm tweeting about uh, the Indians on uh, on Tuesday because I know I had my fair share of Reds followers still. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. I'm excited. The other thing is, Jeff, I'm, I'm excited because, uh, you know, Marty, hopefully he'll be sneaking up here. I haven't heard yet, but if he is, oh, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm going to make sure he, he sneaks out with me and I can go get a cold one with the Hall of Famer with it being his last year so. We'll see if that can happen. That's that's my goal. Uh, honestly, I don't give a damn really who wins and who loses. I want a cold one with the Hall of Famer. Hey, that is all right. That sounds like a good plan. <laughs> and in fact, if that happens, give him my number and say, "Hey, this guy wants to talk to you for his little podcast." Like, hit him up. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see what I could. I'll, I'll roll on it. It'll be a guest, a guest edition, and I, and I'll just fill in host for one day, 
and just roll on it while we're having the the drink. What do you think? Yeah, it's, I, I, I'll take it. I'll take it. We'll just have to. Ble- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, Marty. Uh, Marty doesn't know this yet either, so don't don't tell him. No, oh I'm gonna, no, I'm, I'm just. I, I'll, I'll keep it under. I'm just kidding. I'm seeing him for brunch tomorrow. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's right. All right, James. I thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good, Jeff. Thanks, thanks for having me. As always, keep up the good work. That's going to do it for the Monday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. Tomorrow we've got an all listener voicemail episode, and I promise I'll have an actual title for it by the beginning of that episode. So definitely, you're gonna you're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Also. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. Best way to get it each and every day automatically into your download queue on your favorite podcasting app. Check us out on social media. Head on over to LockdownReds.com. And like I mentioned just two seconds ago, the Lockdown Reds line, 513-549-0159. Look forward to talking to you tomorrow. My name is Jeff Carr, and this is the Lockdown Reds podcast. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.